Uh, once again, thank you all for being here. Thank you for having me here. And as we look at, at the things that are going on within our hearts, things that, you know, before we go out and tell someone out in the world about Jesus Christ, we got to have our hearts right with God first. And that's what, uh, you know, as I look in my life, as I look people's life, is that's one of the things that we might be doing everything that we want to do out in the world, but yet inside of us, we are not as pure as we should be. And so today, uh, I want to look at this parable here. Is am I a Pharisee or a tax collector? And on this one here, we're going to make some applications to both our hearts and to see where we are and just examine our hearts as we go through this lesson. I will be in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. If you're going to be there, I'll be going through it. And, uh, you know, uh, I found this back there. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance; From it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 4.23. And that's where we want to be at, at this point. As we look at uh, these verses here, Jesus here shares a very powerful parable in, 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 in Luke, in this book that we're going to look at. As we look at these things here, it challenges you and me uh, to do a soul searching in our lives. And that's, you know, that's where everything starts in the heart. You know, because out of the heart, you know, comes everything if depending on where you are in your life is if in your life there's hatred there's uh, re, uh, resentment there's things in your heart that are not right with God when it comes it's going to come out of your mouth it's going to come out into actions and if it's all the hatred it will be horrendous to everybody that, that just listened to us it will be a curse on the people that are next to us. But if there's love, there's uh, compassion, there's things in the heart that are love, then when they come out, out of the mouth, and they will bless each and every one of us. So as we look at this here, uh, you know, these two uh, men went to the same temple. Uh, we can compare it. They went to the same church. And both of them were praying to God. So as, as they looked at this here, they were there... Uh, to do the same thing. But yet, as we look at this uh, parable here, uh, there was a difference in both of them. As we look at both persons, they went uh, there to pray uh, and worship God. And one of the things that sometimes we make a mistake, or that in our minds we make a mistake, is we think we worship God just when we're here all together. And, you know, I went to worship God today. It was Sunday. We were there. And, but we forget that worship is practiced and is done every step of our lives. Every minute of our lives, that's when we're worshiping God in, in, in our lives. So we just don't leave God here. At one time, I thought, you know, we left him at the building and we'd go outside and, and act any way we wanted to. But no, we don't leave him here. He goes with us wherever we go. And so... See, it, it seems in this story that both of them uh, are Jews. And why is that? Is because uh, there was different uh, motives to attend the temple. 
they had the same motive to go there. They had different motives to be there. And this was at the hour of prayer as we look at this, this slide here. So as we look at this here and we'll, lead, uh, we'll read from uh, 914. Also he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. See where it always Christ would have that uh, confrontation with the leadership. And he says here, this parable is they trusted in themselves. And that's what we want to see in our hearts is are we trusting ourselves or are we trusting really God? And they thought in their hearts that they were righteous, they were right. They, I mean, everything that they did in their life was what was supposed to be going in other people's life. And then, you know, it's a say, they despise others. In other words, they hated them. They didn't like them. They, they didn't see them at the same level. How do we do with our lives sometimes when we are not looking eye to eye or we see somebody else that we don't uh, appreciate what they do? Do we despise them or do we realize, you know what, I was like him or like her at one point. And then verse 10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector or a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Okay, and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Did you start seeing the flow as he goes here? He says, I'm not an extortionate, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterous, and or even as this tax collector. And he's sitting there, you know, puffing himself up. And so in, in verse 12, he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And as we look at this, I, I highlighted the eyes. And there's five eyes right there. Usually, when we use that I, is we're puffing ourselves up. I did this. I did that. And look at me. Look at uh, what I did. So as we look at this here, we look at the other side on verse 13, and he says, And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He was so contrite in his heart that he could not face God before what he had done. But he uh, beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Is that what is in our hearts? Are we merciful to others? Are we merciful? You know, in order for you forgive anybody else, you got to forgive yourself first. And that's what he's saying here. Be merciful to me uh, uh, that I'm a sinner. And then Jesus makes this statement. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this is the, what I will, uh, will be studying uh, today. You know, as, as we look at parables, sometimes we just uh, skim over them and we pass over these uh, uh, parables. But it's just something that they cast along, alongside, and uh, alongside something else. So that was the example that Christ did. You know, that you just spread and cast everything as you go through, through your life. And he says that the, as, as he does here, you know, so it's just, you're just casting alongside whatever teaching he was doing, and that's what he does here. 
And, uh, you know, they were teaching us, uh, you know, he used them as an extension, as an analogy or inspired uh, comparison. That's how he used this. And sometimes we don't read into it or we just pass through it and we don't understand what is really the application on it. Uh, you know, Jesus was always teaching, always using. One of the things that we got to be sure that when we read in these scriptures here is what does it say? What does it mean? And how does it apply to me? That's really how we look at any verses that we look at when we're looking at them. And what is it once we preach is we're here to expose to you the truth. Then it's up to you to go and study on it. And make sure that what I said or what anybody stands up here said, that you compare that, that it's true and it's according to the scriptures. And then once you know the truth is, what do I do with the truth now? How do I go teach somebody else the truth? So this is what Jesus did in his life. And, you know, it's just a, an early story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. So now that you look at, at the parables, this is what you're looking at. It's got a heavenly meaning, and it's full of us for us to expound on it, to learn on it, to meditate on it. And that's what, what he's doing here. See, as they went into the temple here, is, it, it was one of the courts in the temple. And as they, they look at this court, it was uh, where prayer was commonly offered to, uh, for when they went. And as they went here, it was the, called the house of prayer in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. And this is what they were doing. This is the, the synagogue. This is the temple, wherever they went, and they went and prayed. So there was the house of prayer. And, of course, you know, uh, I just put pictures there because now uh, we got to catch the uh, young people here. And what do they do? They're always on their phone looking at pictures and all that. And that gives, gives them an idea to stay within the story that we're trying to tell or what we're trying to, uh, to preach. Uh, see, here's the misconception that I had and that this uh, Pharisee had, the Jews thought that, it, it, you know, if you went to the, to the temple or to the church and you prayed in, in, a, in a religious uh, uh, setting here and, and uh, you were worshiping God, then uh, they, back then they went to the temple or a synagogue. We go to church and we think that, you know, this religious, religious worship that we have. See, they, they thought at this point that their prayers were more acceptable to God if they went to the temple or to the synagogue. That's how they did this. But they thought, well, if I go to the temple, this, my prayers will be sooner heard. He will hear them quicker and then when I go in private. But as we look at their lives and, and the Pharisees and the leaders here is the private, they were doing it for show. And that's why sometimes, you know, one time I got caught with uh, some Baptists and we were out praying and, and, and we held hands on the street and I kind of felt uncomfortable. But then I said, well, why am I praying? Because I want people to see and I can see their reactions or because I'm really praying about this event that is going on here. So that's the thing of it. What was in my heart? What is in your heart uh, when you are praying? So as we look at this, there's two kinds of people that we're going to look at. Uh, these two men here, uh, they knew about the sanctity 
of this place where they were at, which at this point it was the temple. They knew about that. It, it's the common belief at that time uh, uh, that the people had is, was that, that sanctity that this place meant. That was the house of God. That was the house of prayer. And they went out not by agreement. They did not agree or they didn't have an appointment because as they look at their lives, they were from different castes. They were in different levels of society. One were the leaders, and this publican over here on this side, he was the bottom of the barrel. So as they looked at, see, they thought at this time that if they go by consent, uh, there was a rule that they had for them in prayer. It, it, it said that if two men went to go to the synagogue to pray, and one finished his prayer first, uh, before his neighbor, if he stayed there with him to, for him to finish his prayer, then he will get a, a double reward. And that's what they thought. And this was rules that they had made up. And it says, but if he did not stay for him, his prayer would not be heard. And that's what they thought about, you know, these two uh, uh, persons that went there, they were not there for consent. So, uh, you know, they, they, they were ju just praying. Now, there was also certain rules that they had going in to and from the place of prayer. So I, I'm giving you this background so you can see where these two men are at. She says, when they went there, they were go, going, moving uh, uh, with an ease, and they were just going towards the, the temple, and, uh, you know, they were quick to get there. They were in haste, and they were evenly going with, with, with each other. In other words, they just were walking together towards the temple. That's what they, they, they thought in, in that time. Now, when they came back, the rule was that they were to go very slowly, and they were very gentle. They had just met God. They just had worshipped him. They had just prayed for him. So they, their attitude was a little bit different than when they went there. And so they were just being, being very pious so that people could see that they had worship. Now, what, where was their heart at? So in verse 10, one of the men that came to that church, which is the synagogue uh, that day, is just like our church. But he was a Pharisee at this point. He was the spiritual leader among that people at that time. And, you know, he was known, he was respected, and he was a true man of God, according to them. And the people just praised him, and they would watch him, and they would admire them, and that's what they were after. Then one of the rules that they had is, of course, they knew the scriptures. If they knew the scriptures, why didn't Christ choose them to be with them next to him? Because of all the things that they did on the outside, so that you and I could see them. And this is the same thing that happens to us in, within the church. And they had committed to memory many scriptures. And one of the things is they wore these leather boxes in, in, their, in their hands, in the right wrist, and in the forehead. And it contained the certain portions of the law. That's how they knew they were Pharisees at that point. See, they had, the, you know, as you can see here, they, they had them right in, in, in their forehead. See, and this, uh, can you imagine if we would just put a Bible here and we walk around so people can know that we know the Bible, that we have the scriptures. And that's what they were doing. Because in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5 says, but all the work they do is to be seen by man. 
That's one of the things that they were doing. They wanted to be seen by men. They make this phylacteries uh, broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. See, it was all, the outside was just for show. They would look very pious. They would look all this and look at us. We're dressed different than, than those people there. So people would respect them because of what they, they, the way they would dress. Uh, you know, they would have prayed at least three times a day. And uh, they made a lot about the prayer, and especially in public, as they looked at, at these things. They loved to pray loud, uh, long, and public prayers. See, they were there for the show. And it's what was in their heart. It was full of dirt and everything in it. And they would lead these prayers, and of course, people would admire them, and they just would listen to them, how pious they were. What about us? What do we do with our prayers? Are they just for show? Matthew 6, 5 says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Have you ever called somebody a hypocrite? I don't know that I could just because they're doing something different in religions. But he says here, hypocrites, you know, you're an actor. You're playing the part. That's what hypocrites means. He says, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You know, see, we're seeing here the flow as to what was going on in their heart. Surely I say to you that they have their reward. So Christ is getting on their case, in other words, here. And, of course, he fasted at least twice a, day, twice a week. And, but the thing about it, when they fasted here, they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays in our calendar. And what they would do is it coincided with what uh, the Jews sold and bought uh, wares in the markets. That's how they did it at this point. See, the practice of the Pharisee was to make their fasting very public. You know, those of you who fast, you know that we do it in, in private. But they would, you know, make sure that people knew that they were fasting. And, of course, they wore those leather uh, uh, on, on their uh, wrist. They, he's got it on the left hand, but usually they get it on their right hand. In Matthew 6, uh, 16 and 18 says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. See, this is Jesus talking to them. And this was the whole problem that, that they had with him. Is that he was telling them the truth. And he was attacking them at the heart. And he says on 17, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be a man to be fasting, but your father who is in secret place and your father who sits in secret will reward you openly. See, this is Christ talking to us. This is Christ talking to them and letting us know that let us look at our heart. That, you know, uh, at this point, I found out that they would not comb their hair or, or wash their faces after they fasted. Uh, and they, they were the most wrinkled uh, outfit that they could have, the clothes uh, that they could find. And so that they, they even put ashes on the faces to make themselves look as though they were pale uh, from fasting. So it was all a show. And then... Uh, you know, I have a picture there, more or less what they were doing and, and making themselves pale and, and those things that they did. But, you know, they also tithe 
and they tied everything he possessed, even the earth that grew in his garden, uh, often giving 20 or 30 percent to the needs of the temple. Uh, you know, uh, that's one of the pictures. They, they would make sure that the uh, money would sound in there so they, people could see that they were putting money there. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and common and have neglected the weighted matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith, this ought to have done without leaving the other sundown. As we look at these verses here, he says, Woe to you. He says, you know, uh, you are hypocrites. You know, you are all uh, tithing even from the smallest herb in your garden. And if you look in, in Deuteronomy, is they, uh, all I read in there is oil. And there was, uh, uh, I forgot the, the other two, but there was three things in there uh, that he had. It, it was, I'll leave it there. I have oil. I just went blank on that. And so as, as those three things, but now they got the smallest parts that were not even uh, in the law and they would type on that so that people could see that even from the smallest part they would do all that. The Pharisees were noted for making a public show in their tithing. You can look at Matthew 6 1 and 4 and Mark 12 41 and 44 and you know we got the poor widow in there and so as we look at all this here this men were considered holy and they, they, you know, they just wanted to be uh, that everyone would see what they were doing. Now let's look at our hearts. Why are we here? Why did you decide to come over here today? Just for show? Or is it really something that you wanted to do and that you love being here? They love the adoration that came from the common people around them. And, uh, you know, this picture of this Pharisee here is many of the people that are in churches, just like us sitting here. Everyone who sees them think they are pure, they're holy, and they're righteous on the outside. See, I mean, you can look at me and look at the way I'm dressed and look at the, the way I speak and look at all those things that I do. But how is my heart? What's inside of here? What did I just do before, uh, you know, I came over here? And so, I mean, how do I, did I treat my wife? How did I treat my children? What, what happened before we get here? I don't know about you all, but sometimes we as, as members of the church, you know, we, have, we get in the car with our children and we have a fight with them and we argue with them or we argue with a spouse and we have a, a big argument and we get here to the building and uh, you know as soon as they open the door and you uh, Yancy goes over there how you doing brother and, and you know the hair was standing up before they got here oh we're doing fine everything is going great see this, this is the thing we want people to see us as that we're purely Pure, that, that, that there's nothing inside of us, and we say we're, we're holy, we're separated, we're here to be uh, righteous. Look at our lives. See, and those are the things that sometimes we don't see. Uh, you know, so, you know, we get real pious. You know, in the Catholic Church, we we knelt, so you know, people looked like they were really pious when when they were there. So. And these same people in the church, they had convinced everyone that they're the personification of a righteous and holiness and virtue. Have you ever met anyone in the church that way? I have. 
And I used to be one of them. I wanted people to know that I was really holy. See, these other things that, you know, sometimes they even convince themselves that they are right. And I'm doing what is right. And, you know, and, and everyone around them, when uh, they make uh, uh, a preposition for the church, and is, everyone is not exactly like they are. And if they're not like them, then they have to be wrong. There ain't no way. They got to follow what, what I say, what I do. The other man that came here was a tax collector. This man was uh, a publican, and, uh, but he was a spiritual outcast. Here we have the Pharisee, and now we got the publican here. Uh, while he was welcomed to the temple uh, to pray in the courts of the Jews, he was not allowed to attend the meetings in the synagogue. So he was kept apart. And then, the, of course, the other Jews hated him, and they looked down on him, and, you know, they just look at him and all those things going on with him. As being a tax collector here, he worked for Rome. And that was what uh, the Jews hated, that they worked for Rome. And they thought that Jesus Christ was going to come and form an army and conquer Rome. And so, you know, they were working for the enemy. And even though they were Jews themselves, the, the nation it, it dominated and it ruled Israel at this time. So uh, here, Rome collected three kinds of tax uh, from the people that, that he, they had conquered. They collected the land tax, they con uh, the head tax, and the custom tax. So the, all these three taxes were collected in this three-tier system. And in this... They let, Rome was the one that levied the taxes here, uh, and they were collected by the chief collector, like Zacchaeus was one of them. And they, they, but they, these uh, chief tax collectors controlled several other tax collectors, and like Matthew, he was one of them. So it, this uh, chief tax collector would pay Rome from certain district that he was allowed there. And, you know, but it gave him the authority to collect the taxes there in that area. But then they would sublease this to other tax collectors. And that's why they hated them. And one of the things that they do, you know, they could set their own rates. You know, sometimes I feel like the IRS does the same thing with us, right? They set their own tax and we got to pay for that. But they set their own tax. And the other thing is the, the men that work with him could set their own rates too. And this all here, Rome received the taxes by the uh, chief tax collector. But these people grew up very uh, wealthy and they were extorting a large sums of money. That's what they were doing. So now you know why they hated them. They were collecting all this. And, of course, they were known for their greed and for the dishonesty that they had. And, you know, they, they were viewed as traitors of Israel because they were siding with uh, uh, Rome. But the thing about this is being a tax collector, as they looked at this, uh, they were not worthy of compassion and concern. But they didn't care about the, the, them at all. So, you know... If this is the same picture that we have in other elements that we find within the church. These people, uh, sometimes they do not act the way we think they should. And we start pointing fingers at them. They might not dress like we dress. 
uh, and they might not think like, we, like they should, and we want them to think our way, then, you know, uh, they might not do the right things, they might not say the right things, and we think, okay, this is what they should be doing. And we start shunning them away, we start staying away. Like the publican, these folks are also here in the church, in, a, in any church, and I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church. And just like the publicans, they, they were here, um, they often looked down, you know, by the other brethren who think they are more spiritual. Sometimes we think, Man, I think I'm better than Michael is. I don't know what he's doing here. And we start doing those things that we're trying to compare ourselves to somebody else in the church. And, of course, we start pointing fingers and look at him. Look at the way they dress. They probably didn't even have money to go to Walmart. And, you know, those things that uh, we start doing with people that do not act like we do. And this is what's going on here. So it exposes on the surface that humility is better than pride. Where are you in this scale of humility? Or are, are you prideful in your heart because of who you are, the status that you have, the money that you make? Where are you in this situation? You know, as I study the Word of God, the longer I consider the words, have you ever gotten a passage or a verse and you study it right now, and you look at it, oh, yeah, that's what it means. And then you come back a year later or two years later and look at it, that's not really what, I, what, what it says. I'm totally different. This here is, is, you know, the more I consider it, it, it gets deeper and it gets wider. And like I said, I don't know if I said this, that our mind is this big, the mind of God is this big, and we want to place all this wisdom, wisdom into our little mind and it's never going to get in there. One day we'll know it all. It'll be worth it. Heaven will be worth it all. And then we will find out at that time. See, the more, the more we invest in exploring uh, the, the scriptures, uh, the more rewards uh, of truth that we grow. You know, sometimes when we're studying, I, I always have this habit of asking, how many times a week do you pray? Well, at least seven times a week because it's seven days. Oh, okay, but that's great. I'm glad that you're praying. They said, sometimes we pray twice. Then I asked the question, okay, let me ask you, how many times a week do you open the Word of God? And they said, well, you know, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, maybe Wednesday, we have Wednesdays. So my example here is, okay, so you're more interested in what you got to tell God that what God is going to tell you. And, you know, those are the questions that we got to see ourselves as to what, why are we doing this here? Where's our heart in all this? You know, as we explore this parable, as we go through this, there's so much more to this parable here as we look at this. Uh, sometimes we just do a, a brief glance of this parable. You know, this is a very shocking parable if you read it at the beginning as we were going through. In Jesus' days, these Pharisees were considered amongst the most pious and the most religious of all the believers in God. And, you know, they, they were considered by the people as being righteous and being all that. But in the other hand, here the publican were considered as an unfaithful and unjust extortioners. You know, I sold cars, 
And I think the car salesmen are the extortioners. I mean, if you're going to do something, uh, uh, go do some sales, go be a car salesman first. You will learn how many sharks are in there, and you will learn, okay, I'm not going to do this. And this is what they were doing here. Uh, you know, there's the uh, publican was sitting there and just collecting the money and those, those things that they See, this, uh, they were considered the cartel of their time, as, as we look at, at, at uh, publicans here. Uh, you can see why, you know, all this conclusion that Jesus had of this par parable, it really stunned the hearers. Because as he, in verse 14 says, but I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Talking about the Pharisee. And he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It was an outrageous political statement, and it was the incorrect thing to say at the right time. Because they were listening to him. They were, he was suggesting that this publican would be justified and would be saved instead of the pious person. Am I better than you? You know, those are the things that, that we have to look at ourselves. You know, then the Pharisee, he said, they will be unforgiven and they will be lost. How can you say that? These are the pious people. These are the leaders of society. You know, these men represent two groups. And the, the, the groups in the world, in our society, in our churches, we go there. These two men represent two opposite destinies that they have. Because the saved one and the lost. And this is among the ones that go to church. There's two classes in here that we classify ourselves. See, every, every professed believer today falls into one of these two groups. It's either the publican or it's the, the, text, uh, the Pharisee. Which one are we there? Uh, one of these one represents me and one of these represents you. As we look at this here, you know, who, who, where are we at this point right now? Am I the publican or am I the Pharisee in, in this society, in this church that we are at? So which one are we? Uh, we need, each one of us need to ask in humility and look at our hearts and uh, look for that guidance from the Holy Spirit. So that as we consider this question, and I pray that you do do a search with it. I don't know about you all, but we have, I have to look at my heart. I was telling Michael that this, when I preach, I preach to me, and it usually applies to everybody else. And that's how we do it, because i got to consider my, my heart first. You know, I told Michael also, there's two things that guide me in my life. One, I don't want to teach error. Two, I don't want to lose my place in heaven. And these are the things that, which one are we? Are we a publican or are we a Pharisee? Or sometimes we are a Pharisee and then vice versa, we're a publican. You know, sometimes we're both here. And, you know, as we study this scripture, I hope you go back and you study it in this parable. Because uh, we're one of these men at one time in our lives. And so we have to make sure that we are the ones that Jesus is going to forgive. We are supposed to be the ones that are humble. You know, we've been saved. We were sinners one time. Now we're saved by, by his blood. We got to make sure that we're the ones that say, daughter, go and sin no more. Bro uh, son, go and sin no more. And then forgiveness through Christ, and that's the 
things about there. The, the only forgiveness that we're going to get is if we are in Christ. So in conclusion here, looking at this parable, there's some, some common grounds as we, as we summarize this. One of the things here is these men had a few things in common. First, they believed in God. Both of them believed in God. They were at the church. They were at the synagogue. They were there at this temple. And, uh, you know, if we have to be, want to be saved is we got to be, that's a good start for us. We have to be, believe in God and believe and carry out his commandments. Uh, but believing in God is not only the criteria for salvation. Uh, James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, what are we doing? Are we just believing? Or, you know, are we just making a mockery out of that belief that we have here? See, you know, this here causes all these devils uh, that they believe there is a God. But there might be something more to being saved. There has to be a change in our lives. There has to be a new man as we look at our life. You know, both men also went to church. They were at the same temple. You know, it is important for this saved group for us to be there. If you don't have faith enough to go to church once a week or twice a week, then uh, it's likely that it's not enough for you to get to heaven and for eternity, uh, for us to spend time there. Because we don't make the effort we don't have the faith. We don't put that faith to action that, yes, I'm a follower of God. And yes, I'm going to do whatever commandments he gives me. Second, sometimes people excuse themselves not going to, to church because there's too many hypocrites in that church. I know Michael has heard this on, on when we're on the road or we talk. No, there's too many hypocrites in there. Well, one of the things that sometimes I say is, don't worry, there's always room for one more. Come on over and visit us. You know, they, those are the things that we got to put in their, in, the, in their faces. See, Jesus went to church every Sabbath, even though it was harassed by all the hypocrites that were there. And, you know, some of those hypocrites wanted him dead. I don't know of anyone that so far that I know that wants me dead. There might be a few out there, but I don't know. I don't know if you know anybody that wants you dead. But you know what? They attack Christ. And if you're suffering because of Christ, welcome. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be suffering for him. Others complain that the church is boring. I used to be one of them. Man, I didn't get any of this uh, uh, church today. So what do you just, you know, I thought you needed to be entertained. And I thought the, the speaker had to be a powerful orator and make all this, you know, come brimstone and do all these things. And I was like, oh, he didn't do it for me today. So, you know what, you know, we are here to worship God. We're not here to get entertained. You know, and sometimes if, if our worship is not uh, uh, fulfilling, yeah, let's pray that our heart will be changed. Let's pray that we do what God wants us to do. But even though there's hypocrites and you're not feeling like you get anything out, still go to church. 
You know, be there with the brethren. You know, it's so wonderful when you all come to church and we get to uh, fellowship with each other. And, you know, we care for each other. And, you know, one thing here is if you're hurting, you're at the right place. Because, you know, this is not a trophy case here for people who got it all right. They are standing up. And they got it all together. This is a place for sinners, for people who are sick, for people that are barely making it in life. And what do we do? We help each other to continue on in this sojourn, in this temporary journey. And so let, let's continue to go to church because Jesus set an example by teaching and worshiping church every week that was in the seventh. Uh, Luke, chapter four, Luke chapter 4, verse 16 says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. See, he was following what his parents had taught him. And he went to church, and it was the custom, and he did it every first day of the week. The third thing is that this man had in common is both prayed. We have to be in prayer. Anything that happens, we have to be in, pr in prayer. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Did, did any of you practice that this morning? Did it make a difference? You know, those are the things that we have to be in prayer. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 18:1, as we look here, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray uh, and not lose heart. Why do we lose heart? Is because we do not pray, and it's because we do not get into his word as we should, as we pray. We should be looking at this at least once in the morning when we leave to work or when we come back. Lord, I'm about to get out of this home, my sanctuary. Please protect me. Please give me opportunities to present the gospel. And then when I come back, God, thank you so much for bringing me back. I hope I affected someone, if not by words, by example. It's, uh, you know, Paul also tells us, pray without ceasing. Always pray. Always be praying. Uh, when I first became a Christian, you know, I was always praying. I felt, why am I praying so much? Can I do things my way? And then I realized that it was, I was commanded here, pray without ceasing. Continue on. Uh, committed Christians always pray. And, you know, it reveals, as we looked at this uh, parable here, it reveals that the Pharisee possessed a misguided confidence that caused, caused it to magnify himself. Are we magnifying ourselves or are we magnifying God? Uh, you know, sometimes we feel inferior and other people, you know, some people know the Bible more than I do. They can quote it more than I can. And sometimes, you know, they intimidate me. Then I realize, that's not my cup of tea. What is, my, what is God want me to do with my life? What does he want you to do with your life? And each one has got a talent. And what we got to do is all of us put together will bring the church up as we go and evangelize. And we will love each other as we continue on. And we will pick you up when, we, when you fall. So here's, we cannot compare that one of our brothers or sisters are inferior to us as we look at in our lives. You know, this Pharisee here fed his own opinion of himself. And he caused this separation from men. 
Is that what we're doing with our brothers and with our sisters? It also brought him into war with God. And why do I say that? He said the Pharisee became separated from God because the parable says that he went home uh, not justified. But the publican did. And that's the one that he didn't like. So, you know, as we look at, at, at the, the publican and the Pharisee, we, we need to take this as a warning. If we begin to uh, contaminate our brothers and our sisters with, with their opinions and the things going on, you know, we begin to withdraw from them. We don't attend fellowships like we should with, with our uh, congregation. We usually find fault on the other and look at him and look at her. And, you know, sometimes I used to go home and I say, man, he didn't even talk to me. He didn't address me. And I was so angry because they didn't say hi to me. Is that how we feel? I wasn't there so that they could talk to me. I was there to worship God. As we go this, you know, uh, sometimes we get offended by almost everything that is done within a church. And they don't ask me for my opinion. They should have asked me first before they did that. Uh, you know, and... Usually this leads us into trouble as we go there. The, the sin of pride here may be producing that evil fruit in our hearts. And it's growing in our hearts. And like I said last night, open that compartment that you got close in your heart and let the sun shine in. Let God come in, in there and look at that. He knows everything that's going on. So the question is here, am I a Pharisee or am I a tax collector or am I a publican? So, you know, in order for us to start there, we have to do uh, the baptism. As, as you see there on, on the first one there is Jesus went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross for your sins and my sins. And he, he shed blood for you and for me. And, uh, you know, if we repent, he forgives of our, our sins. Not one saved always saves. But if we repent, that blood covers us. Then he went into, in, in, into the tomb for three days. And then when he arose, now he's hidden, sitting at the right hand of God. And one glorious day, he's coming back for you, for you, and for me. Won't that be amazing? He's coming back. So when we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, our sins are nailed to the cross. And then we are buried in baptism, baptism which symbolizes the death that Christ had. And then we, when we arise from, from the water, we become a new man and we walk in newness of life. And that's what the gospel is all about. So uh, as we finish here, as I hope that I have touched some hearts. I pray that you consider this, that you keep your heart with all diligence. Everything comes from the heart. Out of the mouth proceeds the matters of the heart. I don't know where you are in your walk of God, with God. You're at the beginning, you're at the middle, you're at the end. But we all need help. And if, if, you know, if you have something going on in your life and you need prayers, please let us know so that we can pray for you. Or if you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and be baptized for the remission of your sins, would you please come as we stand and sing?